Welcome to Unfighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Tony Manoharan of Diamond Muay Thai as part of our series on cornering. This is our second in the series. The first one we talked to Brian Dobler. Now Tony, the next one we will be talking to Angie Parr to finish things up. As always, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, mattlucasbkk, or email me at amattpeardlucas at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone that's supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes store. I want to thank a few people. As always, Vinny Scotto, Patrick Rivera, Dave Brooks, Sean Madden, Wendell Galano, Chris Tran, and some others for helping me get going when I broke my camera. I recently did an interview with Wee Wee Muay Dead 789, uh, Jet Gao, who is fighting on Friday at Rongsit for the True For You promotion. She is fighting Nong First. Um, I forget Nong First last gym name, but it should be a good, exciting female fight. Wee Wee is being heavily promoted and recently beat Nong P at Rongsit last month for a big show on the 13th, I believe it was. Teddy Pet Indy fought. He fought Di Hong Mu Ping. Aloy Bung Jung, I, bl- I might have fucked up that last name a little bit, but regardless, it was a great fight. Uh, Pet Dom is about to fight on Moi Man's Wansuk as well, which is that Rongsit show thrown on by Pet Indy. Uh, so I appreciate these guys a lot, uh, you know, helping me get going with my camera, and I'm able to do a lot of interesting stuff with it. I was able to go out and shoot some photos at the World CM Stadium the other night for R1 UFA. I got to see uh, Gonar and Ratong duke it out. It was a very, very good technical fight. You know, a little bit of controversy about some of the judges or the referee's decision not to count a potential blow from Gonar to Ratong. So definitely interesting stuff going on out here. As always, um, after years of hard work, studying and being in the game, I published a book. Uh, it's a clear guide that goes over scoring, matchmaking, picking, gym, fight styles, gambling, culture, and much more. It has a series of interviews with long-term expat fighters like Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Lisa Brealy, Angela Chang, and others. It is called... I'm Fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherland. You can pick up the guide off of Amazon. It's a great, great book. It helps guide careers and really educate people about the nuances of the sport. Thanks, as always, to my sponsors, Nakmoy Legends, for their continued support of the show. They create some great Muay Thai apparel. They're going to come out with a new line for the holiday season. Um, portions of the proceeds go back to the legends they celebrate. 
All the superstars have been paid for their images as well. Check out their gear at www.knockmoylegends.com. Use On Fighting to get 15% off your order. As always, thanks a lot to Patrick Rivera for helping me get this show started. He's recently partnered with Brian Dobler to start DD Muay Thai out in Isan. Uh, the nonprofit gym is a small gym to help promote Muay Thai in the Chayapum area. So a really great thing happening there. As always, Brian Dobler has a bunch of little kids that love Muay Thai that don't have an outlet for exercise and things to do, and now they do. So it's really exciting to see that project get off the ground, and I have high hopes for DD Muay Thai out in Isan. So a little bit about our guest today, Tony from Diamond Muay Thai. The gym itself has been open for about two or three years. Uh, Tony has over 30 sanctioned Muay Thai fights under his belt. He's spent about eight months in Australia at Bunchu Gym. He's been in the UK uh, training with Andy Hausen. He's spent a lot of time in Thailand going back and forth primarily in Chiang Mai, where he trained out of Lana Muay Thai. So we get to talk a lot about cornering, a lot about the differences between cornering out here versus in Canada, and a lot of the sort of nuances of the sport. So definitely tune in, and without further ado, the interview with Tony. Hello, Tony. Thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking your time out. How are you doing? Uh, thanks, Matt. Uh, just, thanks for having me. Uh, surviving through all this uh, turmoil, uh, but you know we're kind of all in the same boat right now. So it's uh, it's been a, one hell of a ride. But um, you know, like I guess you know, just like everybody else, we're, we're plowing through what's going on with with COVID and and, and such. So um, it's a, it, like I said, it's been a crazy ride, but uh, we're still here. Yeah. Uh, speaking of crazy rides, you've definitely been on a crazy ride in your career. Uh, obviously, you're from Canada, but you've spent an extended period of time um, in Thailand, also in Australia, fighting out Boom Chu Gym, spent some little bit of time in Birmingham uh, at Andy Housen's gym. Um, can you talk to me a bit about, obviously, you didn't corner everywhere, but can you talk to me about sort of the experiences of cornering and fighting um, in the different locations? Maybe go like Thailand, uh, Australia, then back to Canada. All right on, yeah. Um, so in Thailand, um, I've had quite a few stays out there. Um, they varied from, you know, three months, a month here and there. Uh, I think my longest stay was about five months straight. Um, when I did my my long stay in 2014, um, I went back to the gym that I usually go to, which was Lanakia Busaba. So it was almost like the tail end of my fighting career. I was about 30 years old or so. And I said, you know what, I'm going to give this, uh, you know, a real go. Um, you know, I, I was 30. I was working uh, at a bank at the time in, in corporate Canada and didn't really like what I was doing. So just basically dropped everything, went out there um, and basically wrapped up my fight career. When I was in Thailand, um, I was given the opportunity to help corner too as well. So um, I... I stuck my nose in there. I, I told them that I'd, I'd like to learn to see, um, you know, what the tricks and tra uh, tricks of the trade were uh, with the sport, and basically 
I knew that down the road, you know, we wanted to open up a gym and this was going to make me a better coach uh, and still make me a better fighter, you know, having lived that side of, uh, living that side of, on the opposite side of the ropes, basically, right? And um, yeah, they, they gave me the opportunity. Uh, you start off basically carrying the bucket, the spit bucket, uh, the water bottle, uh, the towels and such. And, and you're not really, you know, you're not coaching, you're, you're cornering, you're, you're, you're assisting with, with the fighter. So um, by, by showing them the interest and such, you know, I, I helped work a lot of the local stadiums. I bought my ticket, got in there. Eventually, they, they would sneak me into, uh, you know, places like Taipei Gate or Lacrosse Stadium or uh, the, the new Gabula Stadium in Calaire. So um, that, that was a good learning experience, obviously coordinating a lot of the foreigners at first. Um, they also would kind of, the ties would tell me, okay, you know, talk in English to them, like, you know, convey this message over to them. And, and I, I, do, I do my best to do so. So it, it was a learning experience for me. Um, I got, a, you know, almost every other day we're at fight events. So it was, it was really cool to get that experience underneath my belt. It helped me. Uh, it helped me tons, and then it came to the point that they even gave me a chance to corner at Raja Dvanan. So that was one of a huge highlight. Um, and yeah, it was I mean, about five months of that. Uh, I ended up going to Australia. Who? Uh, what was the situation at Raja Dvanan? Who did you corner? What was that experience like? Uh, it was a, a, a fighter named Tor. Um, I've known him since he was fourteen. Uh, I went to Thailand the first time around. It's two thousand eight. Uh, we're like brothers. I mean, he, he's a, a solid kid, and to to see him grow from fighting at smaller stadiums and and festival fights to um, he's fought at Lumpini, he's fought at Regiment, um Channel Seven as well. So there was a the opportunity came out where he didn't have a cornerman to take him to the event, and he basically was going to travel by himself. Um, mm. So I told him, I said, like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Are you, are you just going to take the bus over there? And 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 as you know, they have hired cornermen. At the, at the at the stadiums, right at the bigger stadiums like Lumpini, where they basically tore the circuit. So these guys are very well experienced quarterman. So uh, um, he's like, I'm just going to hire someone there, and, and they'll just take care of me. And my manager is going to be there. He had a, a, a manager that worked at um, an older guy that was uh, this gentleman that uh, managed fighters in, in northern Thailand and brought them to fight at uh, at Rajadhanan and Lumpini and such. So he said he was just going to, you know, go out there and take the bus. So. Uh, I asked him, I said, well, if, if, if the gym's okay with it, maybe I can come along with you and help. Um, and first of all, I didn't want to take a 14-hour train ride, so we ended up buying tickets, uh, getting me on a flight. It was a, you know, obviously like a 45-minute flight between Chiang Mai and Bangkok. We got in the hotel. I paid my fare to, to, to get into the stadium uh, because they don't let foreigners come in free yeah. at all, right? So, you know, paid my fare, got a chance to work at the, the back. Um, it, was, it was actually a pretty cool story because... I had taped hands before here and there, but we, he basically showed me the night before how, how he wanted the, his hands taped. And we, we get to the back of the stadium and then we're kind of surrounded by a few ties. And basically they're asking who's going to work the corners and what, and he pointed at me. And all of a sudden they got a chair, they put him down and like a circle of, a circle of ties came around and watched me tape his hands. And yeah. I kid you not, it was the most nerve wracking thing in the world because you know, my my palms are getting sweaty. The tape's not cutting. I'm I'm using my teeth to cut the tape. So they were trying to see if I was doing anything different, right? And I wasn't doing anything different. I was doing basically what they were doing, but I was doing it just much more nervous and more shittier than they would ever do, right? So it was nerve wracking for him to to see that. But uh, you know, after a while, they started looking at me and saying, "Okay, there's nothing special about this," and kind of walked away. And I was able to get his hands taped. You know, do the rub down. Um, 
and just it was a it was a cool learning experience. I mean, it was a cool highlight, and and you have to go through these kind of times to learn. You know, like uh, it, as embarrassing as it might have felt, um, and also at the same time, the fight was a tough fight for him. Um, yeah. He got cut early in in the early round, and, and what happens is, as you know, in Thailand. There's two cornermen in, in the ring. They're just basically tending to the fighter. They're giving him water, massaging. They're not really screaming out any instructions. They're coaching him on during the fight. They're they're cheering for him and, and pushing, you know, uh, pushing the fighter forward. But at the same time, the manager is the one that's doing all the instructions on the outside. So he got cut, and I'm taking care of, let's say, his left side, and the other cornerman's taking care of his right side. When he got cut, he got on the he got cut on on his left side. So I'm there struggling with the Vaseline, and I could. It was the first time witnessing, you know a very well experienced cornerman grabbed the Vaseline on my hand, fixed the cut in just one quick swipe, you know, mm. put a dab of Vaseline right on his, on, on the cut above his eyebrow. He stopped the cut, you know, and, and was able to prepare the fighter for the next round. So again, you know, you know, I was, I was glad to be part of that experience, but again, it was a yeah. learning experience for me. Right. So it helped me become a better cornerman, a better coach um, on a go forward basis. But yeah, it's just like uh, like I said, it's nerve wracking because there's a lot of emotions there. You have gamblers screaming. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, he was able to to come back and win the fight. He was down on points. He was able to win the fight, and and some of the gamblers had screamed out, basically giving him the bonus, the you know, the, the betting injection to say that mm -hmm. if you win the fight, you, it's an extra ten thousand baht, right? Yeah. So uh, he did win the fight, and that was also relieving on my end because. The last thing I want to do is go back to Chiang Mai and they lost and they're like, oh yeah, it's it's Tony's fault. You know, we, we sent Tony with him. And <laughs> they they fucking blame it on me. So yeah. uh it's it's a it was a cool experience. Um and then when he got out of the ring, you know, he's kind of shaking too as well. I mean, he just had a tough fight. He's still cut and you know, blood's dripping down, and the gam uh, the, the manager basically took him over to where the gamblers were because they weren't paying the ten thousand baht, the the injection that they 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 promised. And he made a big fuss about it and eventually got the money for the for, for tour. Oh, that's, that's a good manager. Yeah. So uh, 2,000 baht went into his pocket, but, you know, <laughs> that's yeah, the name of the game. <laughs> that's a pretty typical, like, manager's fee, you know, yeah. take 20% or something. 20, 30% or so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something. You know, it, and he, you know, I would say the manager sort of deserved it to, like, force the gamblers to give the money because – you, you know, your boy wouldn't have been able to go up there and get the money himself. A hundred percent. So they, they, they take care of him. And it's, What's that? I said it's, it's, it's a gambler sport nowadays, right, in Thailand, right? Yeah. So it's driven heavily by gambling. Um, it looks like the New York Stock Exchange from the 90s, the way the, way, uh, <laughs> the gamblers, uh, you know, are exchanging hand signals and agreements and such. So um, even when I was there, not so much in Rajendran, but in the smaller stadiums, you know, we would talk with, like some of the ties and, and, and just put money on fights and such. Right. So, you know, it's usually red corner, blue corner kind of, kind of bets. Right. Um, the ties will bet on anything. So it's, 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 it was kind of cool to understand that. And obviously like in your book too, as well, you explain more how it works with the odds and such, but um, it's, it's a crazy experience, especially in the bigger stadiums, seeing them shout out live betting odds on, on a board, a clipboard full of cell phones. Right. So it's kind of cool how those things are exchanged. And then, um, so you said uh, you did Raja Dimnun. What was the upcountry scene like or up in Chiang Mai? What was cornering there like compared to Raja Dimnun? Um, everyone was kind of laid back, especially like the festival fights and, and the smaller stadiums. Uh, one thing I noticed too as well, there's 
you know, everyone just hangs out by the fighters. There's no, everyone's joking and, and, and it's, it's very chilled out. There's no, you know, pep talk or anything. All of a sudden they'll come up to you and say, okay, let's wrap your hands and get in the ring, right? So as a fighter, I, I kind of witnessed that quite a bit. Uh, I haven't competed in, in, in that circuit, in the Chiang Mai circuit. Um, so when working corners, it was the same thing, man. I would talk to some of the foreigners and say, listen, you know, like if you're nervous a little bit, know that that's natural. Um, you know, it, it, it's also the same feeling that you have with excitement, right? It, it, it's very similar feelings. So just telling the fighter that, that you know, things are going to move fast um, when you're a, maybe a, a fight or two out. They're going to, you know, tape your hands real quick, give you a time, uh, a tie oil massage. You're going to shadow box a little bit and then it's go time, which is really good in, in a way because it's less less thinking, you know, you have the fighter that, that's just sitting there waiting and anticipating this fight, especially if you wrap their hands too early, they're, they're, they're sitting there. So for a lot of fighters in, uh, in Chiang Mai, you know, um, some of the foreigners that were coming in, it was just the first time fighting or second th time fighting or, or they might have fought locally in, in, in Europe or, or North America and it was the first time they're fighting in, in, uh, in, in, um, in Thailand, Thailand, right? Yeah, so it's a, which is rightfully so. I mean, they kind of, you know, I've always kind of scratched my head to see fighters go and fight you know, um, at bigger stadiums like Rajan Minalupini, having not, having not really fought much in Thailand, in the outskirts, in places like Chiang Mai and, and the islands and such, I think you got to slowly build up uh, mm. as opposed to jumping into the, you know, into the big pond, right, with, with the big fish. Uh, but yeah, in, in, in Chiang Mai, um, it's it's very chilled out, and, uh, which which could be a little bit nerve-wracking too as well because you're just sitting there by yourself and then all of a sudden it's a, kind of like a mad rush, you get your hands taped and then quick one massage, shadow box, and then you're in the ring. So that's yeah. the, that's a bigger difference too, I'd see. And then um, you also said that you spent a fair amount of time in Australia fighting out of Boonchu, uh, John Wayne Parr's gym. Uh, what was that experience like? I know you mainly fought out there, but could I mm. guess could you touch on both ends in terms of fighting and cornering? With, with corner Australia? experience, I'd say um, it... it it's much like Thailand in, in sense that the sport's been there longer than North America in places like Australia and, and, and England, right? So it's, uh, I would, I would can say it's, it's a little bit more developed. Um, a lot of the fighters out there would have their first fights without any gear, like if anything, maybe shin guards, right? There's no headgear. I, I don't think I saw one fight with headgear in, uh, in Australia or England. Um, so it, you, you basically, and there's more competition too as well. So like every week there's, there's fight events in, in the Gold Coast, there's fight events in Melbourne, um, all over the UK as well, right? So you can get, gain a lot of experience. They have a good circuit out uh -huh. there. Uh, and, well, wise, I mean, um, was there... Was, you know, I idolized John Wayne Park. Go ahead. Oh, can you repeat that? Oh, I said uh, um, cornering-wise, like I, I idolized John Wayne Park growing up uh, as a fighter, right? So to have him in my corner... Uh, it was an awesome experience, you know. Um, he's, I've also had good conversations with him on, on how he corners people like, like Jazzy and stuff. Um, you know, that being his daughter, there's that fighter coach relationship and not so much a father daughter relationship when they're in the ring. So he, their the emotions taken away in, in that sense where he's looking out for the fighter in that sense, right? Which, which every, every coach should do. And, um, and he's super calm in the corner. Uh, even when he cornered me, you know, the instructions are very clear. He'll tell you, you know, what's going well and, you know, what we can work on as each round goes by. Um, no negative thoughts. It, it just motivates the fighter to, 
to to get on it and, and, and continue forward with the fight, right? So it was a really cool experience. Um, same, same with I say with Andy Housen, the same thing too, right? Um, another fighter that you know I, I, I watched growing up. Um, so to have him in that corner, that was also a, a treat. Uh, the one thing I can say is with at the time when I was fighting out there, the styles of hand wraps and 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 the way the commissions worked, they were very similar to Thailand. You know, they would allow tape on the knuckles. Um, I think when I spoke to John Wayne last, he said they were cracking down, especially in in Queensland where it was, um, they were just using gauze uh, with with tape in between the fingers as opposed to putting tape on the knuckles and having that, that tape build up um, underneath the wraps. So mm-hmm. the commissions got a little bit more strict, but when I was in England, um, it was a Thai style hand wrap. So those were the similarities and differences that I, I noticed with um, with fighting in those countries like Thailand, Thailand Australia and um, in England as opposed to fighting back in North America. Yeah, what, and what about, of course, uh, being in North America, both in Canada, and I know you've worked in America as well. What, what, are, what is it like there, and are there differences between Canada and America? Um, the commissions are very similar in the sense that I mean, the rule base is, 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 is somewhat uniform, I'd say. Um, places like New York, for example, um, well, as a coach, just... The first thing I would do is always read the rule book, right? Make sure what the commissions, what the differences are between commissions, um, to see how many corners are allowed in 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 the corner, right? Some commissions allow three cornermen, other people, other other commissions allow only two, right? So it's good to to know all those different rules and regulations amongst commissions in Canada and and the U.S. Um, for example, in in state of New York, you can't uh, you can't stack um, your hand wraps, meaning you can't put tape, gauze, tape, gauze, tape, gauze. You can only use gauze underneath your hands uh, as a first layer and then put tape on afterwards. So you, sh- you know, you got to know that. Um, you got to ask the commission uh, what's, what's legal and what's not, right? So if they're permitting stacking, um, like let's say, for example, tape and then gauze and then putting tape more uh, on top of it, um, well, you know, it's not an unfair advantage. It's just I'll give the fighter the competitive advantage in that case because it's in the rule book, right? So yeah, yeah. knowing knowing those little things um, really helps you know, yeah. when you're going to um, going to uh, fight in different commissions um, across the states and across Canada. Um, in Calgary, for example, in pro fights, when you get your hands taped, you cannot leave sight of the commissioner. So there's a designated commissioner. So if you want to go to the washroom, they're coming with you. So if you're going to go to uh, go go you know take a piss or whatever it is, they're coming with you. And they're mm-hmm. going to watch. They're going to. They're going to watch you as you go to the bathroom. Um, you can't take any caffeine, so there's no Red Bull, no nothing like that. It's just water in your corner. Uh, they're very strict. Um, in the state of New York, for example, when we fought in Madison Square Garden, that was the first time I actually met you. You have the yeah. commissioner right there in your face. You know, as you corner, they're almost listening to the instructions as you're there. They're checking on the fighter to make sure they're okay. So it's a lot more hands-on in places like North America as opposed to Australia and England. Which is very similar to the style of um, fighting in, in in Thailand in terms of the commission and how that how how it's run out there. Mm-hmm. And then you've also done a fair amount of cornering at some of the tournaments. Uh, I know you've been to the TBAs before. What is that like compared to doing uh, singular fights? Um, it's 
it's a little bit more stressful because you're tending to a lot more people, you know, which uh, which equates to more emotions too as well, right? So, um, you know, there are a lot more people to handle in that sense. Um, I love going to the TBA. I always tell Pam and Pete, it's uh, Pete Peterson there, uh, that it's like, it's like my Christmas, you know, you get to see, meet up with all the coaches and and and, and fighters and such, you know, it's, a, it's an annual tournament, which is really sad to see it um, happen this year due to COVID. Uh, but we have the national tournaments as well in Canada and, and the provincial tournaments too. So the same thing goes when we're having a lot of fighters there, it's almost like an assembly line of fighters, getting their hands taped, getting them prepared. I rather tape everyone's hands early so that we're not rushing uh, because sometimes you have fighters that go back to back or are very close to to each other in terms of the fight orders. So you're going to hop from one ring to another, um, making sure that there's someone with the fighter. We've made the mistake before, keeping fighters in the back room by themselves, and then they're kind of getting nervous. Panic ensues. They don't know if they're going to be have a corner or not. And you know, I always remind them that you know the show is not going to start without them. You know, so if they're in the back room, hang tight. Let's get rid. Let's get you know. Let's get finished with one fight and then move on to the next. Right and controlling those emotions, it's tough because a lot of the, these tournaments, we're having fighters have their first or second fights. So again, these are rookie fights, right? So if they're fighting in C class. You know, they don't know what to expect. If they're fighting in B class or A class, they've they've been this is not their first rodeo. They've you know, they've they 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 know what's going on. And in most cases, some of the fighters will also help with the cornering too as well. So once they've fought or whatever, if they're an experienced fighter, I'll have them, you know, learn learn the trade as well. You know, and it starts with how I started, you know, um, carrying the water bucket, carrying the yeah. towel. That's the, the, the you know the minor responsibilities that they're that they should they're, they're going to be nervous too as well just like the way I was ner- nervous about you know um, working in the corner as as an extra you know like the person that's outside there putting the stool in you know you're given one responsibility but it means a world to you because you don't want to mess up and in most times people mess up right and mistakes are made and that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, working at uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, for that triumph uh triumph show quite some time ago but have you worked other shows in new york city besides that one yeah um but we had fighters on friday night fights uh before um the old tko shows um that were thrown in queens so we had fighters on on those shows too as well um i competed on some of them so uh if a teammate was was fighting if they fought after me i, I would i would help with the corner um if they fought before me and uh you know, I was usually in the back room, right? Having, you know, just waiting for my turn to get in the ring. But yeah, those were also good experiences to, you know, to to corner too as well, because um, the New York State Commission too as well, they have their own different rules. Every commission has a different set of rules. Knowing those rules inside out really helps. So having fought there and, and you know, watching my coaches having taken care of me, it helps when you go and you know what to expect basically. So you when you go there, you're not, you're not kind of, fumbling, asking questions, you know, having a commissioner come over and tell you, you can't wrap hands that way. Oh, great. Now I got to cut the hand wrap off and redo it again. You know, mm-hmm. so knowing those rules really, really helps. And, um, but in the end of the day, um, well, so there's also Warriors Cup too as well that, that we competed on and had fighters on. So Chris Trans show. So at the end of the day, it's, it's still the same job wherever you go, whether it's New York, Thailand, it's still the same job, no matter what caliber fighter is, whether it's having a fighter at Raja Nin. Or having a, a kid in a smoker show that's a junior you know you, the, the job's the same it's we just take care of the fighter you know and uh i was blessed to have a really good coach with with thomas jensen and then uh, alex reacher was a training partner of mine he owned the gym and i was really really blessed to have them in the corner because from the get-go they treated 
all the fighters like pros. They treated everyone like a professional. So mm-hmm. the night before the fight, we would go to the gym, get a get a rub down, shadow box, cut a little bit of weight. And that was a really good learning experience because you see how they treat the fighters. So now I know how to treat fighters and how I felt, you know, so f- feeling professional in that manner, even if it's your first, second, third, whatever amateur fight, you know that you're taken care of. When you go there, you can see that they're not running around looking for tape or gauze or looking for a bucket. They have everything with them, you know? So everything is much more calm. You're going to go in the ring more confident. There's no panic in the corner. Um, so that really, really helps. And, and the way they treated us, like I, I said, you know, even for my first amateur fight, I had my hands taped, right? And when you look around in the change room, you might see coaches just getting the fighter to wrap their hands, other coaches getting their fighters to wrap hands with just a regular hand wrap, you know? And you start looking and you're like, okay, that's, the treatment's different here, right? So yeah. not to say that they're going to fight any differently, but, you know, the nerves are calmer for the fighters mm-hmm. that are treated more professionally, I, I believe. Yeah. What are some of the highs and lows you've experienced or seen uh, cornering? Um. I've seen, like, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, you've seen cornermen and coaches, like, make it about themselves, right? Their their egos come in the way. So, you know, the fight's happening, but you see the cornermen yelling, screaming um, at the fighter, and you're not really doing them any any good. They're already, they might be in a bad place already, right? The fight might, might not be going their way, and all of a sudden you have someone yelling and screaming at you. You're just putting them in the, in, you know, in a, in, a, in a dog kind of dog down mood um how do you expect them to perform the next round how, how do you expect them to come back so i've seen that i've seen a cornerman actually walk away from his fighter just leave him in the ring a coach what? so I, yeah or what happened um ego i think like that, yeah. that that's got to be it and it's, it's a pretty shitty thing to do like just to to walk walk away yeah um so it's like one of the worst well, it, you, you also, you, you brought the fighter there. Their, your, their safety is in your hands, right? Yeah. So just because they do something you don't think is right doesn't mean that you just, you know, like uh, abandon ship, right? So, right. you know, you're you swim with them. You're, you're there to take them. It's a journey that they're going through. So take them through it, whether they're having a tough fight or not, you know, like um, can't just celebrate the wins. So seeing that, you know, obviously <laughs> it's a good example of what not to do. Um but then after, like, I've also watched other fighters, like, uh, really good coaches, you know, prepare in the background, right? So, for example, um, uh, we've seen coaches like, you know, Brian Dobler and, and Brian Popejoy um, warm up their fighters. Um, I always put an eye, keep an eye out because I want to learn, right? I want to learn. I want to see what they do. Uh, the TBA is a really good place for that because you see a lot of good coaches, um, you know, and you can pick up on certain things, Um Getting back to the TBA, for example, whenever we go there, um, it's it's almost like a social event. Once the fights are done for the night, everyone goes to the bar and everyone's kind of hanging out, have has a couple of beers. Everyone's all the coaches are letting loose and and you know like just blowing off steam because it's it's a stressful day, right? The officials are there. The you know it's just and it's also just um, you know seeing people that you haven't seen in almost a year getting you know catching up with them so i always make it a, a, an effort uh, like a nerd i'll go up to the, the coaches that i look up to like like guys like brian pope joy and such and i'll bug them and i'll ask them okay you know like wh- what are you doing with this fighter how are you getting them motivated and such 
and uh, and I'll try to pick their brain. I'll try to talk to guys like Eric Haycraft and such, just to you know see what they're doing with certain thing, certain things with certain fighters. Uh, guys like Chase Corley, they'll give me the time of day, and you know I'll I'll, I'll even bug them and say, I need ten minutes of, of your time. Let's just you know talk about this issue that I have with a particular fighter. How could I solve it, right? And I'll get their input, mm -hmm. and it's it's valuable to me. Yeah. So, what are some specific things you've picked up from those guys? Um, a lot of times, I'll ask them how do they how do they keep fighters motivated, right? And you know, even Brian Popejoy was saying like, you know, fighters are going to go in and out of the sport, meaning that they're not going to be you know hard on the sport the whole time. You know, like he's he's he has a an amazing stable of fighters with like Janet Todd, Jackie Bunton, yeah. Nathan uh, Ward and such, right? So he, Nathan's he's, definitely been in and out. <laughs> for sure. And and like, it, it's like, you know, you'll see them going through hot spots where they're like, you know, they'll be fighting at the, at the top level and then take a break, right? And ultimately he was saying that basically, you know, it's up to the fighter as well. I mean, you, as a coach, you keep them motivated. You, you, you do the work with them. Um, we have a couple fighters um, at the gym, uh, Julian McDermott, which is one of the most dedicated fighters that we have right now, currently. Uh, so, you know, getting up in the morning, doing morning training with them, and then having them come back in the evening, late at night, and doing more training with them, you can see the interest is there, right? There's, there's a spark, right? Feel the fire as a coach, right? If there's a spark or a small flame, you know, you have to, you have to keep them motivated. If the flame starts to die out a little bit, it's fine. It's you do your best to rekindle the flame and and turning turning into that you know that fire that that they need to take into the ring that they need to take into training sessions so that it keeps them motivated. So having those talks with coaches really helps because you might they might have dealt with a fighter like that or a, a character like that before. So having those conversations really helps. And it's not so much like venting out and complaining like I got this fighter that doesn't show up but wants to fight blah blah blah. What should I do? Um, it's more like what can I do to help them and also, there's also those things, times where you have a fighter that might have been fighting too long too, right? So, you know, do you know when to pull the plug on, on, the, on their career or just say, like, I don't think it's safe anymore to be competing? Okay. Having a conversation with the coach helps, right? With another coach that, have, might, that, might have, that, that might have seen that scenario before, gone through that scenario before, right? Have you had to do that to someone before? Yeah, um, I had a fighter that was kind of not really... I wouldn't say motivated. I'm just taking fights for the sake of taking fights. So having that conversation and telling him, like, you know what, maybe we should take the right fights instead of just taking any fight and, and going and getting potentially hurt. Um, it's for their safety. And if they want, if they don't think that I'm doing a good job fighting in the fights, and maybe they're better suited for another another coach. Like, I mean, if they leave, they leave, right? It's not that I'm gonna get them fights just to keep them in the stable. It's not. It's not right in that sense in terms of their their um, their safety, right? What what happened with that fighter? Um, they stick around. They're they're still around the gym, but they haven't fought since. And I think they, you know, you try to motivate them in other roles too, right? Helping helping with training with, um, like 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 he comes in and helps with um, sparring, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So he, he can help with with, uh, uh, with with up and comers and such. So giving them the motivation to do that that there's they're still a role in the gym, right? Yeah, it's just a different role than a fighter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how did you stay motivated as a fighter? Uh, it's a tough one. I, I, I always tell this to people. I, I didn't necessarily like to train, to be honest with you. I, I enjoyed fighting, right? I enjoyed the competitiveness of it, uh, which motivated me to train hard, right? So um, 
that part, and also at the same time, like, I mean, I didn't, like, my, my parents support me in that sense, but also, you know, I come from a South Asian family, so they would probably would have seen me better, uh, better suited for, uh, <laughs> as an accountant or, or a lawyer, right? But, you know, like, they would always kind of say, like, how long do you want to fight for uh, uh, how much more longer right and you know especially when I came back with like stitches on my face or a broken nose or torn MCL it, it didn't really help so it was more the inner drive that I had uh, and again I had really good coaches too as well Thomas and Alex put a lot of effort in me and you know I, like a like a geek or a kid I would go up to them ask them all these questions and, and they knew I was interested in the sport so they helped that flame mm-hmm. stay alive right so um that, that that really that really helped. Also, um, my grandmother, um, she's a huge fan of, of boxing, and uh, and even to this day, she she watches uh, she watches pro wrestling and any big of any big fights. She she followed Mike Tyson's career when she was younger, and obviously she was uh, she was old enough to to follow Muhammad Ali's career. Her grandfather, or sorry, her um, her father, which is my great grandfather, was a boxing coach. So oh, he, cool. yeah, so he um, he coached fighters in Sri Lanka and um, and took them. To places like Singapore and Malaysia to, to compete, so um, it, it's I'm not saying it's in the in the blood, but it was it, it kind of sparked my interest in, uh-huh. in wanting to be a, a better coach too. So, and when you were actually fighting, what sort of things did you find helpful and and or like not helpful or you disliked um, in relation to corners? In corners. <laughs> Well, what I disliked, I was battling my own emotions. So, you know, like there's always nerves and such with a fighter, right? So, you know, when, I'm, when you're in there going in the ring, you can control your emotions a little bit better, right? But when you're taking a, a fighter to the ring, it's a little bit tough because I almost got more, I, I get more nervous for my fighters as opposed to me going in the ring, me getting in, in, in the ring the times when I fought. So when I was there myself, Competing, um, I, I was much more in control. While, you know, when you're taking a fighter there, you don't know what's going through their mind. You're trying to understand them. You don't know if they're nervous or not. And and I always remind them that that being nervous is natural. Like there's got to be nerves there. But also the feeling of nervousness is also the same feeling that you feel when you're excited. So you might not know if you're actually excited. It's the same thing when you're going up, a, you know, a roller coaster, right? Um, are you excited? It's a, it's an adrenaline rush, right? It's the same feeling. As being nervous going up that roller coaster too, so I, I remind them that that's the case, and 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 you will feel that you will feel that um, the ties do a good job of like of being very calm. So whatever they do, because I guess they've done they've done it for so long, you know, they've done it as long as you know most of those kids are in the gym at the age of six, right? At the age of six, I was playing with Lego, you know, um, so they've been there plenty of times, and you could see that they they have that switch that they turn on. When they get in the ring, the same thing with the cornerman. The cornerman, when it's, it's time, you know, to get in the ring, um, it's business. So, you know, it's time to be serious there. So, uh, it, it, there are similarities having competed. So, also having competed, it really helps me with the fighter. So, I know that you know if they get hurt, how to manage them in that sense. And that because I've, I've been hurt before in the ring, you know. Um, there's little tricks where you could say like, you know, if you get knocked down, don't get right up. You might be, you know, you might be wobbled already. You might, you might get up and it looks like you're on broken roller skates, right? Take, take the, the eight count and get up, you know, when, when the ref um, counts to eight, like get up at that point so that you take that extra time, 
you know, to to um, to regain your marbles and, and, and be on steady feet. Um, so those kind of things help. Um, and it's, it, it comes with experience, right? Having fought yeah. before. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do after the fight? Is there, you know, a certain system or things that you do with the fighters if they win or if they lose? Um, well, the first thing uh, I ask is, and this is from my coach in Thailand, um, he passed away, Eddie Thompson. Uh, he owned the gym and he was a really, really kind gentleman. And one thing he used to always ask, win, lose, or draw, when you get out of the ring, he would ask, are you okay? Are you hurt? So asking that um, and, and and just making sure that they're okay, that's that's the um, that's the first and foremost thing, you know? Um, celebrate the fight, whether it's win, lose, or draw. You know, they, they got in there, they had a fight experience. Um, if they lost, you know, debrief afterwards, you know, talk about it later, you know? Um, just encourage them that they had a good fight, whether it was a bad one or not. Encourage them that they they, they still had the guts to get in there and, and compete. You know, not, it's not everyone's day, you know, all the time when you get in the ring, right? You can have bad days in the ring. You can have bad days in the gym too, right? But celebrate the fact that they were able to get in there and compete. You know, that's the ultimate reward, right? Um, all the training in the gym obviously is, is, is compulsory, but the dessert and, and, the, and the treat is, 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 is with the fight. So, um, and if they fight too as well uh, to win, um, you know, obviously there are mistakes made even in victory, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we can tackle them in the gym. We can tackle them and, and, and also at the same time control the ego too, right? You might have a fighter that's, that's very, very successful and, you know, at an amateur level has knocked out a whole bunch of people and there's that, that, um, that confidence. Keep them confident, but um, manage the cockiness, put it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what are some th- things people don't know about cornering or don't necessarily understand about it? Um, the, the biggest thing is, it's, obviously, is, is make it about the fighter. I mean, that's that's the, the biggest thing, right? There are tricks and tips that uh, that that, um, that come along with it, with experience. Um, so this is more ring generalship than anything else. For example, like uh, the way my coach used to tie my cup, he's tied with a one string hanging where the like out of the, your, your short's leg, right? So basically that string, if you were to pull it, it would undo the cup. So mm. let's say, for example, uh, you get in the corner and you've, been, you've had a rough round and you need to buy some time. Um, it's not cheating. Uh, it's, it's just, I would call it regenerative, right? So pull the string and the cup gets undone and you get a chance to, to tie it one more time, tell the referee, okay, I need a little bit of time to cut, tie the cup. That gains uh, the fighter. I wouldn't say competitive advantage, but more just... just um, just a couple more seconds that might be needed, right? Yeah, yeah, to, that's clever. That's clever so, sure. so small little things like that uh, you, you pick up on the way. Um, I think wrapping hands helps a lot too as well. Um, we, we we wrap everyone's hands at the gym for, for the fighters class with with regular you know hand wraps. So we, we actually wrap their hands. Um, I have our coaches, Raf and Steve, that have helped out quite a bit with some of the fighters classes. I teach them how to wrap hands so that they are comfortable doing it and we just do it with the regular hand wrap um when we get closer to fight uh fight events i'll actually do a tape job uh for the fighters just so they're comfortable with, with so they know what to expect when we go to the fight events um and and, and they're in a in a competition kind of atmosphere so yeah. those kind of things it really helps and it keeps you sharp when you're when you're when you know how to wrap hands and doing it on a daily basis mm-hmm. um so those are things that that i've picked up on um Keeping your eyes open, you know, helps. 
keeping yeah, like like yeah, keeping your eyes open, watching what people do, and uh, you can pick up a lot of things from a lot of good coaches. There are a lot of good coaches out there. So keep the ego aside. Know that you can always learn. Like know that just like fighting, you you will always learn with every every passing experience. And there are other coaches out there that have done this quite quite some time. So picking their brain, uh, putting your nose in there, and getting to know what 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 works, right? And trying it out because if it does work, you know. Um, that's another tool in the toolbox to, to take to, to the ring. And what sort of stuff do you do before the bout? Do you watch um, your opponents a lot? Um, if they're warming up, yeah, definitely. Like I'll, I'll take a look and see what they're doing. Uh, so that will help in the corner too as well, right? Sometimes you, you, uh, if they're doing pad work, even better. Because personally, I, I never believed in pad work before fights. Um, it's not really the best thing to kind of blow all your pennies before before the fight so if they're doing pad work i'll kind of gaze over and, and look at what the other corners doing what the opponents are doing um you know we we do the way we treat our fighters is, is, is tie style so they get their hands taped they get the namamoy tile massage um done big shadow box put vaseline on before the long cone goes on and and uh, and get them prepared to go to the ring. You know, gloves get on, and that's it. You know, uh, we'll go through the motions here and there. Maybe they'll do with some uh, less exploring, but like light movement with myself or, or uh, with other trainers, just to get the blood going. And um, and that's that's what they do. I mean, when you come to the ring, so when you come to the gym for sparring, you're not doing pad work and then and then sparring. So our sparring days, for example. Uh, at the gym, we just did the same thing. We, we wrap everyone's hands, they shadow box, they spar, and that's it. You know, and if anything, if they're going to do pad work, they do pad work afterwards. But I, I don't believe in like tiring out the fighter too much uh, before the fight. And and sometimes, especially in tournament settings, when you look around, it's, it's like you're watching some of the coaches. They're almost trying to show off their pad skills than than than, than anything else, right? They're looking for more for approval. It's not about them. It's about the fighter, first and foremost. And do different fighters sort of act differently? Like, is it different to corner men versus women? Or like, you know, I guess Thai fighters versus non-Thais or English fighters versus Australians. Do you feel like there's differences with the fighters, like, uh, demographically? Or do you think it's an individual thing? Uh, I think it's a, I think it's more down to the individual. Uh, demographically, I'd say in Thailand, at least... From what I've seen, most of the fighters seem pretty calm because they've done it for so long, right? They've had, you know, 50, 60, 72, 300 bouts before, right? So, you know, it's it's like, it's it's, it's simple for them, you know? Um, I've seen Thai fighters, you've seen it before too as well. They get in the ring without a mount guard. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like they don't care. They, they don't care. They'll make a makeshift mount guard with, with, with tape, right? Um, here, obviously, I think it comes down to like how comfortable the fighter is. Um mm-hmm. You know, and it comes to personality too. With experience, you feel more comfortable. You feel that that you can perform better when you've done it more. So more often. So with the first-time fighters, obviously, I take a little bit more care with them because you know that their emotions are running wild, right? Um, the, the the Mike Tyson documentary, uh, Tyson, he talked about that, and you can see the footage too as well. He had so many amateur fights, and he'd still be in the change room crying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 and, and Teddy Atlas did, did a job of, 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 of keeping him, you know, um, focused on the fight. Right. I mean, that's their job as coaches. 
and Cornerman. So, you know, sometimes we have fighters and we know how, how they are because we, you know, we have a close relationship with, with the fighters. Um, the one thing I, I could say that I do struggle with is, is being a coach. Um, I'm friendly with the fighters, right? So, I, I, you know, we have this relationship with them, which is great. But the thing is that when you're coaching them and, and you, I'm not saying get mad, but when you get assertive with them, it's hard to take it from a friend as opposed to a coach. Right. Mm. So it's one thing I do struggle with, but also at the same time, being their friend, I also know that they can trust me too. And I always tell them, you trust me, trust the process. We're never going to put you in a bad fight. We're going to make sure we, we take good fights. Um, they're not going to be easy, you know, all the time. You've got to be challenged. That's the only way you're going to learn. Uh, but that's one thing that, that, we, that we, we, we work on with, with the fighters. And, and it's something I always tell them too as well. Like, I'll always be your friend, but when we go to the fight events, I'm your coach. Mm-hmm. So, so, so please understand that and don't get upset. Um, but then we're all human too, right? So emotions yeah. do, do, do get in the way and, and, and sometimes play a factor. But uh, between men and women, for example, we tend to have a lot of women at our gym. Um, um, so we have a really good fight team with, with females. We do have obviously a lot of male fighters too as well, but uh, the women do great. I, I think coaching them is a little bit different. Um, women tend to listen. They're easy, easy, easier to coach, I, I believe, personally. Um, Ashley helps me a lot with them, too, as well, because uh, she's a woman, and, and um, she, um, you know, being my wife, she also, like, she'll have the conversations with the fighters about, you know, the things that, that I might not know, understand, right, uh, with the female fighters, like, like menstruation, for example, right? Uh, when it cu- comes to cutting weight, she'll, she'll talk to them and discuss them, you know, <laughs> what time of the month it is for them so they know if there's any uh, difference with water retention and such, right? So that helps with the guys um, when it comes to coaching. It can be a little bit of a challenge because egos get in the way. Uh, guys tend to know everything and they, they'll probably know better than the coach as, as they think. So kind of keeping them level, helps but also like i said before we got to be their friend you know because then they're going to trust you and we are friends nevertheless um but one thing is one model we go by the gym is is equal rights for everyone special treatment for nobody so we treat everybody the same they get you know they get treated the same so end of the day you know doesn't matter what gender you know if you're if you're competing out of a gym um you're going to be you'll get the same treatment for everyone, you know, and, and that's how it works. And also they get what they put into the sport. I always remind the fighters too. So fighting Muay Thai is like, a, it's almost like a pet. The more you love it, the more love you show to the pet, that pet's going to love you back. If you don't show much, um, much love to it, I'm not going to really care much for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you said you have a fair amount of female fighters and you've actually promoted a few times the she fights shows. Uh, you've done two or three. Can you talk about that process and what the show has been like? If you may end up, uh, you know, doing some in the future. Yeah. Um, so she fights uh, was originally Mike Reed's promotion uh, with back forward kick promotion. So he, he threw a, a pretty crazy show. He was actually not even in the country at the time. He was in Thailand working mm-hmm. with IFMA and he threw the show uh, <laughs> basically, you know, from living in Thailand, and it was it was a, a, like an amazing show. He had Janet Todd fight uh, Yumiko from Krudar, and it was it was a great fight. Uh, it was a good overall card, and um, not so much the following year, but the year after, he approached myself and Ashley about working as matchmakers and promoters to help scale the promotion um, 
you know, to a larger audience. And we were all for it. I mean, we loved the concept. It was, a, it was an all-female show. And then basically, I had like one stipulation. I said, can we just basically throw the budget out, out the window and just try to make this, a, like, you know, obviously cover costs, but, but make this a, like a mega show. And he was all for it. Yeah, he was great to work with. Um, the second show we did, I think it was 2017... No, sorry, 2018 in September. Yeah, September 2018. We brought down um, Wayne Parr and, and Jazzy Parr to fight on the show. And, and they fought Brian Dobler's uh, fighter, Nicole um, Hernandez, right? So, that, you know, that was that was a, gr- a great fight. And then we had a four-woman tournament with um, with uh, bringing down um, Jackie Bunton. Taylor McClatchy was in the tournament as well. Um, uh, Vanessa from Combat Arts. And... Um, and Megan Cameron uh, from Calgary. So we flew in quite a number of fighters. We also had Janet Todd on the show too. I think that was probably her last amateur fight before she went pro. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was like a stack card and, and it was great. I mean, it was we did it for the love of the sport. We um, It was a sold out show. Um, and two years later, sorry, a year and a half later, we threw our, our uh, third installment. Uh, we had Amy Duke uh, fight on the, on the main event. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun giving back. A lot of my female fighters were on the second show. Um, so it, it, it was, it was, it was great. Um, the co-main event was our fighter, Tiffany Cass. So, so it's, it's, it's cool to give back to the community too, as well. It's, it's very stressful running a show and also cornering five fighters at the same time. So, you're, yeah. you, you know, you, you get every question asked, you know, uh, where's the bathroom? Uh, it, it, can you validate my parking? Are we getting, uh, you know, uh, our gas reimbursed? Uh, you know, which hotel? I'm, I'm driving back and forth to the airport to pick people up. It is stressful, right? But um, this time around, we made sure we had a good support team behind us. The, the fighters in the corner in the in the back room and the, and the assistant corner uh, cornerman were all there and they knew what to do basically so when things are a little bit more regimed and there's a process structured out it makes it a little bit easier mm-hmm. and then uh wrapping things up is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about um i think i think the biggest thing like I, i'd say like with with new coaches and and well, aspiring coaches and and cornermen is is to is to is to study. Basically, one one big thing I uh, like like uh, that I did when I was younger was when I was fighting. I would always watch about two hours of fight tape before going to bed. Um, it, it helped a lot. It, it, you you learn more and more. Uh, what I do now is I actually study other coaches. So I watch a lot of um, YouTube videos with uh, um, interviews of coaches to see how their mindsets are and, and how they how they work corners and, and, and listen to also the fight story. So uh, it's hard to do it Muay Thai because unless you're listening to an English speaking coach, it's, it's, it's hard to, and there's a few out there that are, that are that great. Like, I mean, we already talked about the top ones, like, you know, um, uh, Brian Popejoy and, and, and such, right. I mean, those guys, they, they, you know, when they, when they do talk about fight events or, or fighters and, and fight shows, you got to keep your ears open. Listen, listen to them. Um, and personally, I watch um, a lot of interviews from ES News. So a lot of boxing coaches like like Freddie Roach and, um, and Joe Goosen, Robert Garcia, uh, they always tend to talk about fight events and, and, and how to corner and how to work with, with fighters, right? So I always encourage people to study that, especially if you're an aspiring coach and you want to um, learn. They'll give you the tics, tips and tricks. And, they'll, they'll, and also when you're watching fights, listen to what the corners are. Are, are saying because 
you know, you might pick up a couple of things on how, on how to help get that fighter through that round, right? Every round they come back to, you you're, you got to do your job to get them better prepared for the next round. Tell them what they're doing right. Tell them what to evade, uh, to, sorry, to avoid and, and, and get them, you know, to win that round, right? Um, understand the math about, about the, uh, the, the rounds, right? Let's say, for example, you're in a tournament setting and you have a fighter that, that knocked down the opponent rounds one and two. I would tell the fighter to, to you know, lay off the gas and, and, and know that you're going to fight maybe later that night, right? Later that evening. Um, know the math that you have to fight one in the bag. You've scored two 10-8 rounds. Um, mathematically, you can't lose. Keep it away. Keep away and, and, and buy, your, buy your time. Uh, manage the round, right? Um, so those things really help. And that's from watching other cornermen and coaches through interviews. Um, study people like Nassim Richardson. Um, th- those guys are like, like experts in the art of fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that really, really helps. And all that information is available on places like YouTube. Right. Um, it's, it's a really, really good resource. Um, I wish I spoke full and tied because I'd love to hear what the ties uh, <laughs> are saying in the corner. But unfortunately, it's it's, um, you know, my, my tie is very limited. So yeah. it's um, it's it's a good thing to to just keep your ears open and and keep the ego aside. It's not about the coach. It's not about the cornerman. It's about the fighter. Right. Get them through the rounds, get them through the fight. And, and hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the, of, of the five rounds, you know, if it goes that distance, their hands raised, right? So. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking your time out. I really enjoyed it and definitely learned something. It was all my pleasure, Matt. Thanks so much for having me and, uh, and you're doing an awesome job with, uh, with the podcast. I, you know, enjoy reading the books and such that you put out too as well. So uh, keep at it. So thank you so much for, for, for bringing this to the Muay Thai audience. So it was great to talk to Tony. I thought he had a lot of interesting insight. It's really interesting to hear about someone from Canada, how they got into the sport, especially because I feel like there is a disconnect between Canada and America in terms of, or the United States in terms of Muay Thai culture. And it's just not as connected as I think it could be. And a lot of times Canadian fighters are not that far away from the United States, especially in cities like Vancouver, uh, which is very close to Seattle. And then Calgary is not that far away from New York City. Tony has fought a bunch of times on Friday night fights. But I still feel there's a little bit of a disconnect culturally um, and regionally between the two nations that I think could be tied together to grow the sport a lot more, especially in North America. So definitely really appreciate what Tony had to say. It was really interesting. I got a lot out of it. He, of course is the owner of Diamond Muay Thai. Definitely check it out. Has been on Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis, covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.